Hi, welcome to Tent Talks Podcast. This is Stacy, your host. And we're doing a part two from last week where I was talking about the white wellness industry and in the process of people becoming woke, they have colonized a lot of practices that humans have been doing for <laughs> centuries and have rebranded it into this package and sold it as a way to elevate and one up people in a really weird way. And I'm just kind of bringing those things to light because it was part of a devastation that I was experiencing when I was kind of mourning my healer community during the pandemic and realizing that there was some really weird propaganda that was being attached to some of these like basic things. And in episode one, we talked about some modalities and even diet culture and how these things have just been so twisted and tangled up and can even be a place of exclusion. And these can be tools of oppression. And it seems like so simple. But we've found this way to use oppression as oppressors have oppressed us. And then individuals through becoming like Instagrammers or selling things through affiliations, marketing affiliations, we've taken these same principles of oppression and we're now doing it on individual levels. So it's not just being done by large corporations. It's been happening by individuals. And I think we just have to bring education and awareness that number one, most of these things are human experiences. Number two, they may be coming from other cultures and you're just taking what you think are the cool parts of that culture and repackaging it as something that is so uniquely to you or really aesthetically pleasing. And also when we moralize it or put it through a lens of purity or enlightenment, it becomes part of a tool of oppression for religious white supremacist propaganda. And that usually comes through Christianity and it's really gross. And I'd like to stop saying it, but it becomes really tricky because I also practice a lot of these things because they are really helpful and they're part of the human experience. So I'm just pointing out my own cringe because I've done most of these things. And if you haven't listened to the previous episode, we talked about some cool things there. We're just picking up that conversation. So one of the things that I, oh my gosh, I've been laughing about a lot lately are these like grounding machines. So you know, in your like electrical outlet, there's like the two prongs and then the one on bottom. The one on bottom is a grounding vibration and people have created technology to just transfer that grounding vibration. And so it's like now this enlightened machine and you can just ground yourself. And there's a lot of variations from it because there are a lot of 
electromagnetic frequencies running around. And, you know, a lot of people were saying the same thing about like 5G and how that frequency is harming the planet and it's harming animals and plant life and humans because we are magnetic and we have these energy fields. And there is a part of me that really says yes to this and really believes it. And then there's this other part of me that says, so you're going to be attached to a machine or like wear a little mat or wristband or something to get a frequency and a vibration. Go outside. (laughs) Put your feet on the earth. Also, don't put pictures of your feet bare on the ground, like talking about earthing. That's also gross. Just like manage your own frequency and vibration. And if you believe in vibrational health, why don't you do something about the environment to stop all the pollutants and the things that are killing planets and causing deforestation? Like there are so many other ways to look at this problem, but instead we're creating machines to sell and it's through an MLM model and people are just trying to make money through influencers. And these machines have been around forever. I've used some that have come out of the freaking nineties, but it's just remodeled and repackaged. And this idea that you can change your energetic and magnetic frequency, which again, listen to a song that makes you feel good. Like there are so many ways to do this, but we're being packaged and sold something that is so bizarre. And I mean, I have heard people just give such heartfelt testimonies about how it's changed their life and taken away all of their chronic illnesses and yada, yada, yada. And I'm not trying to devalue their experience, but you don't have to buy a machine to do that. If your belief system is that you are part of a vibrational system, there's a lot of ways you don't have to buy a machine that does that for you. And I just want people to step back a little further and not fall for every trap because that's just capitalism. You don't need a one machine to change your vibration. That's not how that works. And human beings are ebb and flow human beings. We take in energy, we release energy, energy shifts and changes And to have something artificially feeding you a certain vibration, like, aren't we even questioning that idea? Anyway, I just have an ick taste in my mouth to all of those things. And I've definitely done them all. (laughs) So yeah, please don't sell me any of your machines for vibrational health. But thank you. And there's a part of me that believes that there's something good that you're, you know, aiming for. Uh, The other thing is water. Water is our most precious commodity. Water is life. Our first home was water in the womb. Like water is life. Water is precious. The first time I ever heard about influence of water I guess was probably the biblical stories of like Jesus turning water into wine or walking on water or baptism by water. Like I knew there was this really special part of water 
And there, oh my gosh, there's this funny superstition in Mormonism that like spirits or demons would travel through water. And so missionaries for the LDS church, when I was growing up, the reason behind not being able to get in the water was because you might have demonic possession. But I think it's just like a liability thing with their HR because they're allowed to baptize people in holy waters. But missionaries are not allowed to be in water recreationally. But there was like this whole superstitious reason behind it when I was growing up. The reason I'm saying that is because it was really wrapped into this narrative that water was this holy ingredient. And we know that water is also mystical in that it can be a solid and a vapor and a liquid. And it just, it goes beyond the rules of what we know of other elements. And so it makes us have awe and wonder all the time about water and what we've done in the wellness industry is we've polluted all the waters, number one, and then we create machines of different varying degrees of filtration and purification. And I've seen water in bottles with crystals and stones. And I've seen waters in machines that are spinning left and waters that have been through an alkalizing process. And there's just so many ways that people are trying to molecularly influence water, but it has become this massive industry. And I was addicted to bottled water for a long time. Like I was very repulsed by the taste of tap water. And if you look at any plastic water bottle and look at the number of what plastic it is, you know how they do the identifying plastics. And then if you take that number and you look in your basic farmer's almanac for that year, it will do a breakdown of plastics. And the most harmful plastic, like in the red zone of where the chemicals of the plastic are seeping into the container water bottles are actually number one on the most dangerous zone. And it's listed, do not reuse plastics with this particular number at the bottom. And it's our food. It's all the plastics that we use in our food. And it's like, anybody can look at that and chart which tier of danger their food products are in. And most of the plastics that we use for our food, particularly our bottled water, are all the most harmful. And we have found a way to completely make water about money and make water this, I don't know, this industry where we just keep fucking it up in such harmful ways. And I loved the study of this guy that was photographing water and then freezing it and taking a picture of water crystals. And over some of the water, he would say kind things. And then over some of the water would say negative things. And he was looking at the way 
that the molecules change according to how you speak around water. And so then that also became part of the white wellness industry of like, I'm going to write affirmations on my water bottle, or I'm going to speak over my water before drinking it. And it's such a far place from where we've gone from water. Basically, what we did is we stole and polluted and diverted all of the water from the tribes and their practice every day was singing to the water or blessing the water or using it really mindfully. It was like embodied a practice of how indigenous peoples have always lived in communion with water. And we've gone so far down the path of destruction. And now we're having glass bottles with crystals inside and writing love over the top of it. It just blows my mind. And yet, do I do these things? Yeah, I mean, I prefer purified water. And part of that goes back to mineral deposits in my water system growing up that my dentist thought were cavities. And so he was like drilling my teeth. And it really, it was just mineral deposits that were in the water. But, but there's a part of me that has this whole relationship with water myself, where I, I do prefer to drink filtered water, but then you have to remineralize the water. And it's just this never ending chaos of water. And I just think what would happen if we just had lived close to the earth and just We're grateful every time we had a glass of water and thanked the earth and thanked the water. I mean, maybe we wouldn't need to go to all these extremes that we're going to, but there are cities right now in Philadelphia a couple of weeks ago. I don't know what the story is now, but that's a city of 1.5 million people. They were asked to not be drinking the tap water because there were contaminants from that Palestine train wreck. It was a chemical explosion of all of these uh, ingredients that were making plastics. And then it got into the air and it got into the water. And it's the answer that the government was giving to the citizens in Philadelphia was to start buying bottled water. Don't drink the tap water. Well, then we go into, again, this vicious cycle of drinking plastic in the water, which is the very thing that we're trying to avoid. And so I just think we get so muddled. And I think it just comes down to, again, this relationship with water itself, just strip it back down to the relationship with water. And that it is this gift and it is this healer and we're fucking it up so bad on so many levels and it's so cringy and I understand why we've got here. I totally get it. The next thing that I want to talk about is Instagramming healing sessions or rituals. This is something I find so incredibly cringy, particularly for my line of work. But it's like, if there is ever a picture of me doing massage on somebody, it's like staged, like big time. 
And if somebody says to me, oh my gosh, Stacy, would you mind grabbing my phone? I want to see what this looks like. If I've got like cups on someone's back or something, I have had requests to do that. That's entirely, you know, different. But there are people that actually, while they're in the middle of something really sacred or really emotional or beautiful, they're recording it or they're taking pictures of it. And I think this is so opposite from what we're trying to share. If you're doing beautiful work, people around you will know because you will feel different and you'll feel good. But instead, because we're trying to market ourselves, again, this relationship with capitalism, we're trying to repackage it and sell it. We're trying to capture this thing that you cannot capture because it's intangible. It is the beauty and the, the shifting that happens when you are in this deep altered state of relaxation or healing. You can't totally capture that and sell it. It's just an experience, but we try so hard anyway. And I think I have a really hard time with this. Number one, when someone's trying to sell you something, but I fall for it so easily because I am aesthetically drawn to things. But I think about this principle, it just won the Nobel Prize last year. It was a law of physics and it was basically just stating how when you observe something, that something changes because it's being observed. And so when somebody does their entire yoga flow with a camera on, they're doing it differently, right? Because they're in the process of being observed. So you can't even see the thing that they're trying to capture in the first place. And I think what we're really craving is to be witnessed. And there's such a different energy behind being witnessed and the energy of being observed by a lot of people on the internet and then praised and given this like affirmative validating language. That's okay. Just call it what it is. Just say, I really need some validation right now. And then post your yoga flow. I think we're just so far behind We set ourselves behind when we plan to record something that's precious and it loses something for me, especially if there's an underlying price tag underneath it. It kind of reminds me, I think of healers as sort of helpers and it kind of reminds me of those like videos when you see someone like helping somebody who's been displaced or doesn't have a home and they're like giving them a bag of goods or like a haircut and the person is like crying and then the person like offering the service is like walking away with like this grateful happy heart and it's like you could have done that you could have just done that you don't need to create a whole production out of it but you did need to create a whole production out of it and You can do that and it's okay, but human kindness and also like your own very personal things that have been healing to you, those can just be yours. 
like on the giving end or the receiving end. It can just be about you and your journey and your process, but we've made it so it like has to be something shareable and observable and, you know, marketable. And I I just, it really makes me feel cringy on the inside. That's all. The other thing that I want to talk about feels very specific to me and my industry, but it's facial massage with gua sha tools or like some kind of scraper. If you haven't had this done, it feels amazing. Get your own tool or find someone to do it immediately. It feels great. Or just take your hands and moisturize your face and just start paying attention to your face. I love that we're doing this. I love, love, love that we're doing it. But why are we doing it? Has anybody ever asked why we're doing it? Because it's now part of the beauty industry where we're becoming obsessed with looking youthful and where we're practicing all these like things so that we look younger, longer and have more plump, firm skin. And it's like, yeah, this is a benefit. And it's going to take a lot of repetition to make that happen. And that doesn't take into consideration people's genetics, uh, people's skin tones, people's access to all of these products. And also the fact that we're borrowing this like technique from a culture that's not even ours, but now it's just part of our like healing industry and beauty products. You can find any gua sha stone and tool at your local TJ Maxx for around $10. I know because I found them there and I love them. And I use them very regularly. And my favorite ones are the rose quartz. Because I just like the way that the stone feels and it's nice and cool. And I think sometimes the jade ones are made out of a semi precious like filler, there's something in them. Sometimes it's a a real risk to find the jade ones, but the rose quartz ones I've always found to be really smooth. Anyway, the point of all this is to say that we are addicted to fillers and looking young. And there's a reason why we can't age in this community. And we talk about it through this lens of health and beauty and youthfulness. And what it really is, is it's a product of the patriarchal mindset where women need to remain beautiful and fuckable for their own personal safety. Because to be old, to show signs of aging is not as acceptable for women in our community. And for some women, it's downright not safe because then they have no value in the community if they're not offering their beauty anymore. And so as we realize the whys of why we're doing this, there's self-care, there's feeling good, there's getting rid of like headaches and sinus pressure and TMJ jaw pain. There's so many positive reasons why we would do this or why you would seek it out from a practitioner. And then there's every single Instagrammer talking about how they have a natural facelift solution and they're going to sell you their oil and their tool. And 
they're taking something that could go a million different directions, but it's done in a way that completely takes you far from the process of your own care for your body, caring for your body, loving your body, accepting your body. But now you have to buy a product and then you have to buy a product to use the product. And then you have to follow a specific routine and you have to do it a lot so you can look good because you've got to get that plumpy, dewy glow. And this obsession with youth and beauty is a product and that's harmful. And we have to see through that. And that doesn't mean that we don't take care of ourselves. And it doesn't mean that we don't enjoy the sensation of what this is. But again, we have to see through some of these illusions that are happening and being sold and reproduced because it's, it's actually harming people. It's actually harming people. So we've talked in this episode about grounding or magnetic energetic machines. We've talked about water. We've talked about Instagramming everything, rituals and healing. And we've talked about gua sha or facial massage for youth and glow. And the last thing that I wanted to talk about on this episode is just the aesthetic of having things clean and white. And I've noticed especially in my specific algorithm, like I love interior design. And there's this elitist thing where, where surfaces are so white or neutral and beautiful and elegant. And you can tell that there's a lot of wealth. And it becomes this now hierarchical status. And then it's perfectly cleaned and perfectly organized. And so now it's selling something even more insidious because you have to be clean, you have to be white, and you have to be organized. And home decor has has become this perfectionist, but the rules of perfectionists were created by white supremacists. Again, because we're going back into this narrative of white being associated with purity and cleanliness and cleanliness is next to godliness and godliness is whiteness. And it's just this, it's just this very slippery slope. And it doesn't take into consideration anybody who may have a different taste who creates their own art, people who have ADHD or people who organize very differently. Because now you have to buy these like bins and you have to mark them and everything has to be a certain way because now we've been seeing this prototype all over the place. And if you fall out of line with it, then you're not organized. And so it takes our ability to even organize. And it says, this is how you need to do this. And I find that to be so devastating. And it's, it's been devastating to me when I feel so, I feel so defeated before I even begin a project, because I know that it's not going to look like how I think it ought to look like. And it goes beyond perfectionism because it has all of these other messages about how you need to appear to be acceptable. And this happens in our homes. 
And our homes are supposed to be our safe places. And for many of us, they're not, but now they have to look a certain way and they have to be able to be advertised online. And you have to know where you've gotten every single piece because like, this is my piece that I got here. The link is available and you can have it too. And it's like, can't people just have homes and can they just live in their homes and like not have it be this aesthetic that they're selling? And why does that even matter? And people have different styles and tastes and people clean at different rates and according to like what they can. And for some people who live in households where there's multi-generations or where there's not a lot of space to do a lot of organizing, this can be really triggering and it can seem like you're devaluing a lot of people based on privilege and what you can afford and elitism. And I remember experiencing this a lot growing up because I grew up in a very small home and there was seven people and we had one bathroom, seven people to one bathroom. And there were lots of other structural things with the home because it was an older home. Like we didn't have a fan that ventilated in the bathroom. And so like we always had to clean because mold would develop, you know, in the shower and stuff. Like we always had to open the window and there, there were all these like things that we could never stay on top of it. And so I always felt like I was this filthy person. But when you step back and you just like realize there are seven people and one bathroom and there's like, you know, four bedrooms and everybody's sharing a room and you just didn't have a lot of personal space and a lot of room to organize and a lot of storage for all your beautiful clothes and shelves for all of your things. We didn't have the same structure of a home as some other people, but I was constantly, because my child brain couldn't always figure out all these details. I was always comparing myself to my friends or like what they had or didn't have. And when I look back now, I just like have to hug my little child self because like I was comparing myself to my friend who lived in a big, brand new, beautiful home. She always had her own room and she always had plenty of space and plenty of things. And her mom was a stay at home mom who cleaned the house all day where my mom worked a full-time job, usually two jobs. And I think women are already burdened enough with domestic labor, but now we have to make it beautiful and we have to take pictures of it and we have to link it to something that we can sell and reproduce. And it's this pressure to have this aesthetic that is all in service of control. And we don't see it that way. We just say, oh, well, it's just inspiring me or I'm just seeing things I like. I'm getting some ideas but it goes so deep on the psychology of like why we all think we need to have these clean, white, beautiful, photographable homes. And it's just not real. And that was actually one of my favorite parts of the pandemic was looking inside people's homes because they were inside. And it was actually like this really beautiful, liberating part of people's homes is like do-it-yourself projects or like finding 
ways to make your space more beautiful and focusing on the home because you were like stuck there kind of. And I've seen the way that we've just like completely warped that and infiltrated that and created such weird messages around it. And I just hope that even if you're striving to have this like beautiful organized space, that you can also keep it in check and in view of like why and also like what, what's influencing your style and and why are you striving for the things that you are? And if there's some of those weird comparisons, maybe you're just comparing yourself to a lot of privilege or a lot of wealth and ableism. You know, if you've got ADHD or ADD, your organization might look totally different. It might look like kind of a beautiful mess. And you can appreciate that about yourself. You don't have to be like everybody else. You can still be you and find comfort in your own space and how you live. It doesn't have to be for public display. Anyway, I'm on sort of a rant today. And I just... I've loved talking about these things because I, I do think as humans, we have been so domesticated and far removed from the earth and that on our path to wellness, we have sought out a lot of these things in spirituality, in energy and frequency in water in self-care practices. These are all really great things. We just found a way through the lens of control and white supremacy and patriarchal mindset and cultural appropriation and spiritual bypassing to somehow fuck up these things. So if we can return to the simplistic and understand why we're doing it, and maybe if we're borrowing it from another culture to give them some goddamn recognition then maybe we can find like this flow of us just being humans and celebrating our resiliency and celebrating our creativity and our connectivity that we, we are really all this one organism on this one planet. And we're all trying to survive together. And I really think there's beauty in that. And somehow we've gotten so wrapped up in capitalism that we've lost a lot through that. And I I hope we can return to the origins and the roots. And that's really what this episode is about. Just like I practice these things too, a lot of them, but, but it has been through education and decolonizing myself to, to take a look further at why I'm doing some of these things. Anyway, if you like what you're hearing, please like and share And if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, we're always accepting guests. Also, we want to thank Kimberly Mehmet on sound production and editing. And um, we'll see you next time on Tent Talks podcast. Thank you.